0: Good morning, my friends. Welcome to Real Live Talk. I'm your host, Duke LaMastra. So grateful that you're here taking the time to watch, listen, however it is that you're consuming this podcast episode. Really, really appreciate you for being here. And I'm uh, just super privileged today to be sitting down with my guest, who's Dr. Katrina Esau. Uh, Dr. Katrina is the founder of WHOLE, W-H-O-L-E, which stands for Wives Healing Openly, Leaving Him Exalted, and the creator of the WHOLE Academy, which is dedicated to cultivating healing and forgiveness. Dr. Katrina is also the author of uh, The Pain of Infidelity, Birth's Purpose, and The Blueprint to Becoming Whole. And her life's mission is to help women hurting from the pain of infidelity to reclaim their power and walk in total healing so uh dr katrina thank you so much for for being on real live talk welcome to the show how are you today
1: i am wonderful thank you so much for having me duke
0: yeah my pleasure we were just talking off air a second ago just kind of getting all the little details like where you're located and all that kind of stuff and uh it's really cool this is our first sort of we i think we had one phone conversation a while back and now this is our first sort of face-to-face interaction here so it's super cool to meet you officially and to have you on the show and uh yeah, um I wanted to I went through just a little bit about um who you are there a second ago, but I would love to just kind of hear that a little bit in your own words. You could just tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I am Dr. Katrina Esau, and I get the privilege of working with women that are walking through their healing journey, um, that are healing from infidelity. Um, it's something that's near and dear to me because 18 years ago I had to walk through infidelity in my own marriage. So I know what it's like to have, you know, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the roller coaster of emotions, the anger all of that stuff. And so now that I am on the other side of that and walking in a place that's full of joy, that's peaceful, um, I want to help other women be able to do that same thing.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I uh, Yeah, I was going to ask you, what it was that kind of led you to get into this kind of work and stuff like that because um I know uh, you you have some other things that you do as well. you're a doctor, and I know you just told me a second ago, uh, but just for the the benefit of those that are listening, uh, what is your doctorate in?
1: It's an organizational leadership yes. okay it, and uh, so
0: what does that it, what is, what does that look like? yeah
1: so what that is, it's almost like having it in business management. The difference is simply this The difference between the business management and org leadership was I didn't have to do a statistics course. (laughs)
0: I literally did
1: not like math. I hated it. And so, and I was not a great test taker. And so that was the route that I took because I'm a natural leader, um, always kind of just emerge in leadership positions. So I knew I wanted to be in leadership. I wanted to get that training, you know, in leadership and how to do it well. And so that was really the difference. Um, A lot of people think that it's only for like in nonprofit areas, but it's not. You know, you can use it in corporate Mm. America. I do it today. And so it's kind of like an educational piece of it. You know, I've done a professor. I've done adjunct uh, teaching at Ashford University. And so, you know, and teaching the different um, leadership um, theories and things along those lines. So that's really what it is. It's just it's leadership, you know, and teaching the different uh, methodologies that come along with that. So I get to do that by day and help people, you know, cultivate their teams. And then by night or by evening, I get to help, you know, beautiful women heal and walk through their journeys. Hmm.
0: That is so cool. That's so cool. And. How long have you been, or let's let's do it like this. Um, when did this all start with you sort of um, transitioning into this role now where you are um, counseling women and helping women walk through the pain of infidelity and helping to helping them to sort of rediscover wholeness and freedom in their lives and to forgive and to all that stuff. I'm excited to get into all these different things with you, but um <laughs> How did that start to happen? Was it something that sort of happened organically because it was something that you had, you know, walked through personally, as you alluded to a minute ago? Or was it something where, you know, because of what you walked through, you had this uh, just sort of sense of of purpose in this area now where you wanted to help other women? Like, how did that sort of unfold? And uh, maybe even a little bit of um, like timeline, you know, sort of stuff just to just to give me and anybody listening a clearer picture of how this all transpired
1: so i would definitely say it happened organically um honestly it started like right away um when everything happened like i said it was was 18 years ago labor day uh 2003 is when my world blew up as i like to say and immediately it seemed like people came out of the woodwork i had never really thought about you know divorce rates and all that stuff it just it wasn't something I thought about. And when I started going through it in my home in terms of like the separation, it was like every other woman that I met was either divorced, about to be divorced, about to separate. There was something and I'm like, oh my God. And so I didn't really connect the dots in terms of, okay, this is my purpose. I was too doggone mad (laughs) to figure any of that out, you know? And so literally like God would say to me, you know, that's how your healing is going to come because like he would have me to share with different women. And I'm like, why are you bringing these women in my path? Why do I need to share? My household is jacked up. I'm not even healed. Like, how can I help somebody else? And he would show me that the more you help and share your story and encourage others, that's where your healing is going to take place. So I went through this journey. Yes, probably for about, I would say probably around like seven or eight years before I really got to the place where I could say I was healed. And what I mean by that is like the the sadness stopped, the depression stopped, You know, my response to triggers and things like that changed. And so that's when I really began to kind of dig in. Um, we had this group of one of my best friends, we would have this thing where we would as ladies just kind of come together and just talk about different things that people don't like to talk about. And so we provided like a safe place for women to just come and be women to debrief, to talk about the things, you know, that are concerning you. And that's where I really began to share and start, you know, sharing what God had given to me and how I had walked through. So unofficially I started then, and then I would believe it was two, it was 2019. I went to a conference and there was a message that was taught and the title of the message was jump. And literally from that day to this one, I have not stopped jumping. It was at that moment Mm -hmm. that I knew I needed to put everything that I had been doing, you know, kind of casually. I need to, number one, tell my story in a book. I needed to tell it in a real transparent way because in the Christian community, we don't really talk about infidelity. We don't really talk about, you know, separation and divorce and those things. And for all the wrong reasons people choose or feel like they're forced to stay in relationships. So I needed to tell my story to help somebody else know that you're not alone you know, because as I walked through, I felt like I was alone, even though I wasn't, I felt like I was alone. And then I started, you know, reading and doing research and found that one in every 2.7 couples are touched by infidelity. So surely, you know, I was not alone. And that's just the people that were bold enough to even complete the survey and to share it and to say, hey, it happened to me. And so 2019 is when it really started. I, um, Started, you know, doing the work, figured out what I needed to do to write the book, to get it published. And at the time, I honestly thought I was just going to do a journal because journaling was so cathartic for me. It was something that really helped me because at the time, I didn't really feel like I had a safe place to just to bear all and not for people to judge me. I didn't want to be judged. I still love the Lord, but I was angry. I was angry at Him and I didn't have a place to do that. So Mm. journaling became. And so that's what I wanted to do for other people is create a journal. And then it was like, I was like, no, you need to tell your story. You need to do the book first and then you can do the journal. But I literally did my book and my journal and finished both probably in about six or seven weeks. And so published those May of last year. And it's just been, you know, I've been running ever since, you know promoting not only just the book, but doing different speaking engagements. And then I've built, you know, courses since then. I launched the Academy in November of last year and really just taking the content from the book and really repurposing it to digital courses so that women can, you know, go in and and take them at their leisure. Because what I found in this race is nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, it takes a while for people to raise their hand and say it was me. You know, we put on a mask and we say everything is great. Everything is wonderful when it's not. And so that's kind of the lead for them to at least have a place to let me get help with understanding forgiveness. Let me get help, you know, with rebuilding trust. And then when I feel confident enough to open up and share, now I need to work with Dr. K one-on-one. So that's kind of the process, it was definitely organic, and that's kind of the way that it I, I did not set out to do this by no stretch of the imagination. Sure. You know, I was busy trying to climb the corporate ladder. So
0: wow. Um, man, there's so many things that I want to point to <laughs> in what you just said. But so, first of all, kind of going back to the beginning um of what you were talking about there, I, I love the fact and and this is this is true, I think, for so many people. You know so often i think when we go through something we can you know buy into a lie that says that this now disqualifies me you know this now disqualifies me to to speak on on these issues but actually what you've um demonstrated through your life and and even through like the way that god was leading you through the healing process by um you know helping others by reaching out to others and by creating that group and that sort of safe space and to talk about some of those issues and things like that where you know god wasn't allowing you to kind of like just retreat into yourself and i think that's so often that that is the tendency for for people when we you know when we get when we either go through something when we've been betrayed when something happens to us we can allow sort of the shame of it to cause us to to hide and to even result in well i guess now i'm disqualified and i can't you know do this with my life anymore or whatever but you've demonstrated something that's so beautiful because really it's the opposite. And God actually, um, he's so good at taking the, the tragic stuff of our life. And, you know, like the scripture says, all things work together for the good of them that love him and that are called according to his purpose. He, uh, He's just such a redeemer. And he's so good at taking the worst, you know, things that have happened to us and still being able to bring good out of it, you know, and being able to bless others through it. And so um, I love I love this journey that, you know, that you've been on of, you know, sort of walking through that healing process and not like waiting until you were perfectly in order and everything was totally whole and everything felt good again before you started, you know, going and reaching out to others and, you know, helping them, you know, walk through that healing process as well. I think that that's really important, like whether we're talking about this kind of stuff or something else that. There's so much growth and healing and advancement and just all of that that takes place when we're willing to just sort of trust God with, you know, with our circumstances and where we are and to not disqualify ourselves um, just because, you know, we walked through something that was difficult. Could you just, you know, maybe elaborate a little bit more on that and, and what that was like, just sort of being in. Going, walking through this process where you're allowing the Lord to heal your heart, but at the same time, you're you're reaching out to others that are going through the same thing as well, and just sort of becoming a resource to others that are going through something similar. You know, one of the things, and um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll give it back to you in a second. One of the things that I've I've discovered, you know, in my own life and with others, when it comes to writing, you talked about journaling, and you talked about even writing your book. Um, I've talked to to so many people about how. You know, when when you finally sit down to write something and you're writing your book and and normally I think it's, you know, by the time you're sitting down to write a book, you've already obviously gone through. Like in your case, when you sat down to write the book, you had gone through so much healing and so much, you know, just breakthrough and growth in your own life. Um, when you sat down to to actually write the book and as you're, you know, penning things out and uh, getting your thoughts on paper did you find that there were still like areas in your in your heart that were like maybe uh, coming into an even deeper level of healing or where you found yourself going to an even deeper level of wholeness like even through that process of writing it all out and sharing it?
1: so yes and here's the thing when I started you know when the when God was like it you know it's time to write the book and put it out there the first thing that came to mind was like, like, am I really healed? Like, am, mm, am, is this wow. going to bring up? Because like, you got to tell everything. So that means now you're, you know, like I said, I started writing in 2019. This happened in 2003. So you're taking me back to that place to where I've moved on from, like, what is it going to do? Like, has I have I really forgiven him? Like, I had all of these questions to myself. Like, what is, what's going to come up? Is it going to reveal that Katrina, you're not healed after all? And what wow. I found Um, As I began to write, it it just like so much stuff that I hadn't even thought about. He brought it back so vividly. And it's so odd because I tell people I literally felt like I fell in love with my husband again, writing the book. And Mm. what it revealed to me is that, yes, you are really healed. You really forgave. And it's one of the things that I share, even like with forgiveness, because a lot of times, you know, we say the word, I forgive you but we don't realize that there's a process, that that stuff has to happen. And so when there's a flare up, when there's a trigger, we feel like, oh my God, I didn't forgive. Well, you forgave, but there's something else now that you have to overcome. So for example, there would be like, I had forgiven my husband, but there, every time I would get to this particular location in Tampa, which was the location where I was sitting and I you know, had dialed the phone. I don't even know how I got the girl's phone number, but I dialed her phone and she was like, you have reached the house of her name and my husband's name. And I'm like, what? And so, yeah, yeah. And so every time I would get to that red light, it would just, it was a trigger. It would send me off into this deep, dark place. I'd get quiet. I'd pull myself back. I was going through depression, which at the time I didn't even know it was depression, um, which is Mm. probably a good thing because sometimes we embrace stuff that we don't need to embrace. But, and I was like, you know, I would literally try to avoid the intersection. I'm like, because I knew where it would take me. I knew what it did. And so there came a time where I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drive all around Tampa to avoid this one spot. God, you're going to have to help me to overcome. And so while we'll always have triggers, the way we respond to the triggers should change. It should not, wow. you should not respond negatively. You should not go into the deep, dark place. And so that's how God was healing. And that's one of the things, that's one of the five pillars that I get to share with you because so many times they feel like, well, I forgave him, but I still feel this way. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's not going to be some magical aha type of thing, it's a process. And the Way that you know that you forgive, that you've truly forgiven is how you respond to certain things. What's your language like? You know, how are you coming in agreement on conversations? Even if it's not about your husband, you know, if, a, if women or somebody's talking about men and cheating and you chime in that all men's are dogs and once a cheater, always a cheater, and everything is negative around that, it's an indication that there's still some healing to do. And so that's one aspect of it. And then you also, you asked about like, what was it like in terms of having to heal as well as share and like what that felt like. There were times where I would literally be, you know, ministering to a woman or, you know, encouraging her, you know, to fight, to do, you know, to do what she needed to do at that moment. And I could literally feel like there was a ball of fire sitting on my chest. And it was his way of letting me know that he's healing me. And so mm. when you're walking through healing, you know, you notice your language starts to change the way that you respond to stuff starts to change. And so it helped me to go to a deeper level because I always said and I continue to say, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm telling a woman or a man, anyone, you know, whether they need to leave their spouse or to stay, because I think that's something that you have to get from your time with God. He has to give you instruction on what you are to do in this relationship, because sometimes we are in relationships that we never should have been in, and God might be providing a way of escape. I don't know that. And I don't want to be the person to tell you that. What I do want to do though, is I want to help you heal because I don't want you to go into number one, if you decide to leave. I don't want you to go into your next relationship, you know, bitter, angry and carrying all this baggage because it's only going to destroy it. You can meet the man of your dreams. He can be awesome, amazing, be everything that you prayed for. But if you are not healed, ultimately it's going to end the same way. You are going wow. to run- that person away. And on the flip side of that, if you decide that God is saying, yeah, hey, you need to stay, you need to work it out, you need to fight. If you stay and you don't heal, that stuff is going to erode and it's going to cause division again in your home. So my heart's desire is always just to focus on the healing. Like, I want you to be healed. I want you to deal with the anger. I want you to, you know, recognize the emotions, feel the emotions. But I don't want you to allow the emotions to run you because I was at a place I would go from happy to sad, sometimes all in a matter of minutes, days, like one, you know, it's just up and down. It was a pendulum. And my emotions were literally driving everything I did. And we all know that emotions are fickle. They will get you in a pickle. So It was important for me to get a therapist. I had to get a therapist because I was tired of my emotions guiding me. I was tired of them in the driving seat. And so we have to have therapy sometimes. If you need it, get it. You know, it's not as popular in certain communities, but I got a therapist. I got a coach. And, you know, and I did my work. And that's what I help women do today. Like, you got to do your work. It's not about point and blame. Well, he did this because I did that too. You know, I was like, God, why are you dealing with me? He's the one that caused the problem. No, we have issues. And the chances are, Duke, the problems that we have, they started long before this. You know, what God Mm. showed me in my process that my, my inability to trust, it didn't start with my husband. It didn't start with the infidelity. It started when I was a toddler, when my mom and my dad divorced, you know, if I can't trust my own father, you know, to stay and to provide and to care for me, how can I trust any man? How can I trust God? Hmm. And so a lot of times we have to realize it started early and there's so much more work that has to be done. And that's what I want to help people do.
0: Wow. So what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing from you is that when it comes to walking somebody through this process, you know, maybe somebody who has gone through the pain or is going through the pain of infidelity or they're going they've been betrayed Um, and uh, so if, if I if I'm a person and I'm walking through that sort of a thing in my life, uh, what, what I'm sort of hearing you say is that you're you're really focusing on the, the healing taking place in within me, right? So, you know, I could point the I can point the finger and I can just blame and I can be like 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 okay, like I'm out of this, I'm out of this marriage, I'm gone, I'm done. Um, You know, and like you said that for some people, the the right answer is probably to leave for other people, the right answer, you know, like it's going to vary from situation to situation. So I love the fact that you're focusing on the person being healed rather than you know just making rash decisions because then what's going to happen is if you don't walk through that healing process then you're just going to take that as you said into the next relationship and even if it's a really amazing person that's that loves you and gives you the world and all of that you can now become the the destructive force in that relationship because you haven't walked in, you know, learned to walk in healing yourself, and so you know now you've got all these walls up and trust issues and different things that just kind of cause you to, you know, filter things through the lens of your hurt and your pain. Um, and so I, I really love that you're focusing on, uh, on the, on the healing. And you know, one thing that I've that I find in my relationship with my wife, and it's something that we talk about all the time, is like. You know, if I see that she's doing something wrong and like I go to God with that thing that she's doing wrong, what's God going to do every single time? He's going to talk about me. <laughs> he's going to talk to right. me about, OK, <laughs> but what? But here's what you need to work on. Right. Because God's not really super interested in talking to me about how he's going to change that person. Or, you know, he's He's more interested in talking to me about what he's going to do in me to make me a, a more whole person, a more complete person, a better person. In terms of if we could just kind of maybe backtrack just a little bit, um, in your experience with what you walked through, you decided to stay, right? You decided to stay in the marriage?
1: Yes. Yes. So listen, when it all happened, because cheating was a deal breaker for me, and it is for most women. I did not consult God. I didn't ask nobody nothing. (laughs) I was hurt. I was mad. I was angry. I packed his stuff and he had to go. And so I did that, but then I, I'll never forget it. The next day I literally, I called my spiritual mom. I was at work in a conference room and I was explaining to her everything that happened in her words. And she was so calm. She was like, baby, God, don't move that fast. That's straight from the pit of hell. And I'm like, What? Like you are my spiritual wow. mom, and I am telling you what this man has done to me, and you think I'm going to stay here. And so, wow. although I have put my yeah, it, it's so powerful and it's very important. You know, I talk about that too, is who you have in your ear. Because had I not had her, I probably would not have thought. I don't I don't know what would have happened. I, I probably we would probably wouldn't be talking today, Duke. Um <laughs> But I did, you know, I, at that point, like I said, I had already moved. I, I did a knee jerk reaction. I didn't consult. I put him out. And so at that point I did start seeking God and like, God, what, what is this? Like, what am I supposed to do? And immediately he started giving me dreams and he would show me like, there was one dream that's so vivid. And I always share this because it, it just kind of hit me, is where we were at, almost like it was a um, parade or something. It was just a lot of people. And we started out together, but then somehow we got separated. And then at the end of it, we came back together. That was the first dream that he had given me as an indication that your marriage is going to be restored. So I had that. And then he started speaking to me through his word. You know, I was like, God, you know, Joyce Meyer says that there is something in the Bible for every place I hurt. And and so I'm like, show me how what am I supposed to do? And he took me to Jeremiah three and one. Jeremiah three and one. It talks about how the children of Israel, how they constantly, you know, served other gods and committed, um, you know, adultery basically against him. And he kept taking them back. And I'm like, oh, my God, like Mm. I really got to take this man back. And so that's why it's important for me to help women to build a relationship if they don't have one with God, because that's where your peace is going to come from. That's where your direction is going to come from, all of that stuff. And so it was through that, you know, that I found that, okay, Katrina, you got to stand in the gap. you got to stay here. And so at the time, my husband, he was loving life. He he wasn't you know, he didn't want a divorce, but he didn't want to pay for one. And so we were going through that whole thing where it's like, okay, well, God, it takes two people. You know, if he's not willing to fight for this, what do you want me to do? And God was like, you got, I'm the, I'm the two people. You got to come in agreement with me and my word and don't worry about him. It's just like, you know, you were sharing. He's not, he wasn't concerned about what Joseph was doing. He was more concerned wow. about Katrina. You know, C- Katrina is worried about what, well, do you not see that he's doing this? Do you not hear? Do you not see? No, I need you to focus on you, I need you to heal. Because it's not going to take me much time with him. You got to get healed. And so that was the thing. And so I did. I stayed. My husband and I, we were separated for three years. And then toward the end of that uh, third year is when he decided to come home. He came home. In my mind, I'm like, you just coming home because he had to turn himself in. He had to go to prison. And so he went off for another almost three years. So technically we were apart for six years, you know. But during wow. that time he was incarcerated. You know, we were working on the marriage. We were, you know, doing different things. But it's different when you're not in the home. And so when he came home, all of this stuff that I thought I had healed from, all of all of it just came rushing like a mighty rush in. Yeah. And it was like, oh my, like I, I, I I'm, I'm mad. I was mad. I I mean, Mm. I was mad as hell. I was pissed. And so all of this stuff, all of these emotions came up and I had to deal with them. And that's when God, you know, just dug in deeper. and, And it was like, and that's why I can tell people you can bury it all day long it will surface. And so we begin to walk through that and, you know, to God be the glory. He's healed my marriage. He's restored my marriage. You know, Christmas day, um, we live to see it. We'll be celebrating our 26th wedding anniversary. And so it's just, it's an honor to be a partner with God, to be on his side. Um, But it's hard work. It's hard work. Um, There's a lot that's involved in it, but that's why it's so important to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that this is what God has ordained for your life, that he has ordained restoration. And he loves restoration. He loves marriage. You know, he created it. He sanctified the family. So it means a lot to him. But I think sometimes, like I said, sometimes we get in relationships that perhaps we shouldn't have been in. And, you know, people try to stick it out because, you know, if they take one scripture about what God says about divorce, he hates it, yes. But if you weren't supposed to be in it, get it right. And so it's just, you know, I'm I'm grateful to God that he healed, that he restored. The one thing that I often share is I don't know if I don't know if it would have been different if if my husband still was in the home. So, yes, I acted out of my flesh, but Mm -hmm. it would have been very hard, I think, for me to heal with him under the same roof. I, I think wow. that would have been a challenge, and so, but some women are doing it. Some women are in that very place to where they never put their husband out. They never um, separated, you know. And, and but it, they're miserable. They are so miserable. They don't want to be in the same bed. They don't want to be in the mm-hmm. same room, you know. Even if the the husband has, you know, uh, asked for forgiveness profusely, they still have the hurt, and I get it. I I get it. And again, it goes back to why it's so important to heal from within, because some men are truly, um, they, they truly repent. And they truly change. I, I believe that a person can, I believe my husband has, you know, and I'm grateful to God for it, but it's, it's going to take work. If I didn't heal, would it be the same? Probably not. Because the thing about it is when we don't heal, we throw stuff up in their face. And women have this real innate ability to remember everything. So we will remember the day, the time, the second or the hour. Right. You know, we'll yeah. be having a conversation about laundry and all of a sudden we'll remember what you did to us. And it, it turns hmm. into an argument. And so how do you cultivate peace in that, you can't, you know? And wow. so that was one of the things, another thing that I told God is like, I don't want restoration if I'm not going to be able to trust him. Like, just let me go and yes. heal and, you know, cause if I can't trust, I'm not going to live the rest of my life like that. That, that's not you. God promised that he will that we're to have life and have life more abundantly. There is nothing abundant about a life where you can't trust people, where you always got to be on edge, where you are always wondering, is he doing something? You know, I got to snoop mm. through his phone. I got to go through it. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. We are two grown adults, and I'm not going to be a private investigator. Did we do some of that stuff when we first got back together? Yes, we did, because we had to rebuild the trust. We had to put certain parameters in place. And, and, you know, because the thing about trust is you got to do what you say you're going to do consistently. You can't just do it one time. So I started out that way. But then I got to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to be a P.I. all my life. I don't want to mm. go through your phone. I don't want to look at emails. I don't want to do any of that stuff. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And I believe that hmm. I believe, God, that he didn't bring me through all of this to get me to this place to allow you just to stamp on my heart again. I I just I'm not going to do that.
0: That's so good. That that trust factor is is so key, right? I mean, um, w- one of the things that I say to people all the time is, is just how how devastating it is when trust is broken because you know, with everything that's in you, I mean, you love the person. You don't stop loving the person just because they screwed up, you know, but but now it's like this situation where there's a, there's a disconnect because you still have all the love there, but now you don't have the trust there that you used to have. And love without trust is really, it's really devastating. It's really a difficult thing to walk through. And so, you know, sort of going through that process of, um, of rebuilding trust, it can be really, really painful. Um, and, and, and I think that that for, um, you know, for a lot of people, I think that, that becomes the you know the factor like if i'm as a pastor if i'm sitting down with a with a couple that's you know gone through something where trust has been broken that's so important of like you know are you willing i think that that willingness to learn to trust the person again is so key and and i think that that's just part of the whole thing about walking in in you know walking through that healing process and learning to forgive and all of that i'm just curious katrina like. What was it like for you being in a situation where, you know, knowing that um, that he was the one who screwed up, but yet God was calling you to, you know, continue to fight for your marriage? What was that like?
1: Frustrating. It was very yeah. frustrating. But here's the thing, dude. God had to remind me because in this, is I tell him, two wrongs don't make a right. So because of what my husband did, I I went out and cheated and had an affair. And mm, so okay. in my mind, I was just doing what he did. You know, I, I did my work. I got over, I real, you know, the, the biggest revelation for me in that was you weren't sinning against your husband. You were sinning against God. That was the mm. hardest thing for me to accept because when I got that, wow. I was like, oh my God, I felt horrible because I love God. And so when I got that revelation, that was it for me. You know, it was no more tit for tat. And so when I got it together and when I got to, it took me almost a year to forgive myself. I could Mm -hmm. not, I could not receive God's forgiveness because I could not believe that. Oh my God, here I am. I think I'm hurting my husband and I'm, I sinned against God. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't even about my husband anymore. And so when I would, you know, try to point the finger at my husband, as we talked about earlier, God would always send me back to me. Like you got to heal. There's stuff that you do. And so that's why I tell people like I accept my responsibility for the the, the trauma or the the mess that I brought to our marriage, but I'll never accept blame or, or take, uh, I'll, I'll never say that it's my fault that he cheated. It, no, that was a conscious decision that he right. made to go out to try to fix an inside problem. So I'll never take ownership of that, but I do own what I brought to this because he didn't tear it up by himself. And so it was hard for me because in my mind, and I would always tell God this, like, I'm the one that's always in church. I'm a giver. I'm a tither. I'm a this, I'm a that. And he, one day he's like, do you hear how many times you're saying I like, you sound like Satan. I, 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 I. And I was like, what? Hmm. And so when you have relationship with God, he'll show you yourself. And it was more important for me to get it right. You know, not only for um, for me or for my husband, but the thing that, that hit home for me, because I'll never forget, I asked God, you know, in one of my moments where I'm like, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of fighting, I don't wanna do this anymore. And I said to God, I'm like, God, you said in your word that adultery is the only reason that you would give us divorce. And God said to me, I gave you the bill of divorcement because of the hardness of your heart. That's the only reason I did it, because your heart was so hard and stony. That was that's why I gave. But my desire is that you're that you have reconciliation. And so he began to deal with me in that way. And then I he showed me one night I was watching TVN, and there was a couple on there, and they were sharing how you know they had went through infidelity and how God had restored their marriage, and it was better than it ever had been. And so me again, I'm like, you know, God, are are we sure we're doing this? Because when you feel like you're fighting alone, like you want to make sure, like, I don't want to go through all of this as this is not what I'm supposed to do. And so that moment he shared with me, he, he revealed to me that it was a generational curse. And he said, if you decide to divorce your husband, I'll still bless you. But if you do that, your daughter's going to have to fight the same thing. And he allowed me to see that my parents had a divorce. My grandparents had a divorce. My great-great-parents had a divorce. So it was a generational thing. And it was at that moment that I decided... I could not have no longer have divorce as an option. You know, the only option was to fight for restoration. And if that means I got to stand in the gap by myself and not that I was by myself, I was standing in the gap with God and with his word and what he had spoken. But if I got to do this thing, despite how it looks on the outside, then this is what I'm going to do, because I don't want her to have to fight something because I was too weak to do it. And so that was kind of the thing. My That was my why. And that's what helped me, you know, to be able to fight knowing the hurt and the damage that my husband had caused, you know, to our marriage. And so was it easy to do that? Was it easy to stand? Absolutely not. But I'm grateful today that I did that. And one of the things that, you know, God, Mm -hmm. he was like, you got, because I I literally, I wanted to blast them. I want everybody to know
0: that this is what he
1: did to hurt me. But God would be like, nope, cover him. Cover and I'm like, why do I have to do this? Like, why mm. is it? Why is it my responsibility? But when I look back at it now, I'm so grateful that I did. Because the thing of it is, is sometimes we we tear people down, you know, and just like you said earlier, you know, just because the person hurt us, the love doesn't just shut off. And that was one of the things my spiritual mother said. She's like, Katrina, when you sign the divorce papers, you're not gonna stop loving him, you're right. still gonna have to go through you know, that process. And so it was so important to be able to just to stand and to do the work and know, you know, that I hadn't torn him down, that I hadn't torn his character down. That was one thing I always, you know, we made sure that we didn't argue and stuff like that in front of our daughter, because I don't want her vision of her father to be thwarted, you know. And so, because and, the thing of it is, when you come back together, and now people are looking at you, well, well, he did this, and I thought this, and you know, and they don't forgive and forget as easily, you know, as we do. And So now it's tension and all of that. So I'm grateful that God had me to cover him and and to cover and protect our marriage in that way. I didn't understand it then, but I so understand it now.
0: It's incredible. Katrina, on some real stuff, because I just think that this will be helpful to somebody. How mad were you at God (laughs) Through, through the process too? Um, I know I know some people would say, oh, you can't be mad at God. But, you know, if we're honest, we, we get mad at God. We blame him for stuff. And he's not. Of course, it's not his fault. He's <laughs> he's perfect. But uh, but I, but I think that if we're all honest, there's times where we blame God for things and we we put stuff on him and we you know want to point the finger at him and all that. So what what was that like? Did you deal with that at all?
1: Absolutely. And I, it's so refreshing to hear you say that because I say it all the time. I'm like, people think it like, what do you mean you were mad at God? I was mad at God because how did you let this happen to me? I, you know, I Mm. said, I'm, I'm Mary. I'm the person that's in the church. Every time the doors open, I'm doing everything you asked me to do. You know, when I found out my husband had cheated, I literally was on my way driving back from a women's conference where he had poured into me so greatly. And I'm like, how, how did you let this happen? So yes, I was mad at God. And and one of the things that I share in, in my forgiveness course, I always tell women, there's at least three people that you have to forgive. There's probably more, but I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive God and I had to forgive my husband and I had to forgive God quickly because I knew that he was the only person that could help me. I knew that he was the only person that was going to not only fix me, but fix my husband. But I was mad. I I just, because I did not understand how, you know, Mm. you are all knowing. You knew this was happening to me. You did not tell me, like, why did you not protect me? Why did you not keep, you could have stopped him (laughs) from doing it. You could have, but you didn't. And so absolutely, I was mad with God.
0: Was there something that you could point to that sort of allowed you to, you know, walk through that and to, you know, to recognize that? it wasn't God's fault or, you know, something, I mean, maybe that sounds stupid to say, but I don't know. Like, was there something that, that, um, that allowed you, you said you had to kind of walk through that process quickly because you knew that God was, was what you needed in that, in that season. Of course, without him, you wouldn't have you know made it through. You certainly wouldn't be where you are today, doing what you're doing today and having the impact that you're having today. So you had to walk through that. And you know, as you said quickly, but uh, was there something that you can remember that you can point to that sort of helped you make that shift in your mind where you were like, God only has love for me and, you know, I'm not going to put this on him.
1: I think I would have to say, I think for me, it was, you know, realizing that we have a will. You know, and so while God did not, it's not his fault. He didn't make my husband go out and cheat. He didn't make me to, you know, to go out and do anything. Mm -hmm. The thing of it is, is he, it took, I had to remember uh, Job the enemy has to ask permission to bring confusion and to do things. And so while God may have allowed it, I recognize that there was purpose in it. And so the thing of it is, it's like, you know, I'll allow you to do, he'll allow the enemy to do so much to go so far. And so I think that for me is where I got the revelation. And then where it really illuminated for me is Job 41. And people always like, how did you get that out of that? But literally like I would be, you know, cause I would look at what my husband was and was not doing and it didn't look like progress to me. And so he literally, it's almost like the, and I, now I have an affinity for like alligators, crocodiles, because that scripture came alive to me to where he would be like, you know, you think Joseph is going to stand to me. And deny me and not do what I'm asking him to do. But would he stand before the leviathan? Is what it it's called in uh, Job 41. And mm-hmm. but when he describes like the um, the skin of it and the eyes like fire and how the the belly of it and how it you know makes the uh, uh, the ocean like a when he did that thing came alive to me. And so it was in that it's like you know what God may have allowed this. But he says all things, and I think you quoted this early, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. So even though I was feeling some kind of way and was angry at God, I knew that purpose was going to come on the other side of it. I didn't know a book and coaching and all of that was going to come. I didn't realize that, but it was purpose. There was purpose in it because had I not walked through that, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. And so that's, I think it, what it was for me is just recognizing that, you know, everything isn't perfect. Even if you go to so many of the stories in the Bible, those, they, nobody was perfect and God allowed certain things, you know, another scripture that kind of stood out that helped me in that was, you know, the one where people are asking, you know, with the, the, the kid, um, that had the, the demonic spirits. And it was like, well, you know, why, what, what happened? What did his parents do? Where is was the sin? And he was like, right, there was no right. sin. I did it so that I could be glorified. And so it was stuff like that, that helped me because it's not that there was anything wrong that I did or anything like that, but God wants to get the glory out of our lives. And if we never go through anything, if we never walk through anything, how will he be glorified?
0: So. I uh really appreciate um Dr. Katrina you um you know, just being as open as you've been and sharing your story and uh you know what you walked through and and of course what you're doing today to impart that same thing you know the the mercy and the grace of God that you've experienced the healing that you've experienced in your life and and uh, imparting that to others and I'd like to cuz we're we're kind of uh, winding down on time here um I know that as far as like my audience goes I'm connected with a lot of pastors and leaders and people like that. So what would you say are like one thing or maybe two things that um, that you can point to as far as like somebody in a leadership position that, you know, like as a pastor, you know, there's times when I've got to and and I'm not a, you know, whatever you want to call it, I'm I'm not a a, a professional counselor. um, But there's times where just as a pastor, as a leader that I do have to walk people through things like this, you know, walk people through betrayal, walk people through um, infidelity and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, a lot of pastors and leaders are in that same kind of position or will be at some point. What would you say are just like some things that we can keep in mind that would help us in that sort of counseling process where there's been infidelity, where there's been betrayal? Um, What would you say are some things that, that we can focus on so that we could be more effective in that area?
1: I would say one of the main things is just being truthful. Um, And and not to say that pastors are lying. I'm not saying that. But I think in the Christian community, we don't talk about certain topics, you know, and I think infidelity is one of them. Um, And so a lot of times, you know, people come and they see And and in their minds, all of these perfect marriages, everything is glorious. And I want my marriage to be like Duke and his wife, you know, but people don't understand that people show you what they want you to see. And Mm. so an example of that is when I was going through all of this stuff, same thing, you know, I see all these, what I thought were great marriages around me. And I'm like, God, I want a marriage like so-and-so. And God quickly showed me, no, you do not. You want a marriage that's according to the word in the way that I have described it in Ephesians. You want to love your husband, honor him the way I have told you, and you want him to do the same for you the way I have said it. And the same couple that I was telling him, I wanted my marriage to be like, he later allowed me to see that there was domestic violence in there. And he was like, that's not what you wanted, was it? Uh, No, I don't want nobody going upside my head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, I think the one thing that I would tell pastors or anyone that's in a counseling or leadership position to be able to touch women or men that are walking through betrayal and infidelity is number one to be truthful with them, to lead them, and always point them back to God, and to avoid bringing shame. You know, it's already a hurtful thing, and sometimes people judge not not intentionally, but they judge. Well, you should have done this you know, or you need to do more of this. And we hear so much, well, what you won't do another person will. That's not what you tell somebody,
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: you know, because that's not what the word of God says. So I think we have to And not just beat people up with scripture. I don't like doing that. I love God and I know a lot of word, but I want to do, you know, just as Jesus, he told parables, he told stories so that people would understand it. And so I like to share my story in an open and a real and a raw way so that I can help them understand it. Because so many times we'll tell somebody, well, go read Job 41. And they'll pick up King James Version and they'll be like, I don't know what the heck she's talking about, you know. (laughs) And so I think we have to break it down, like meet people where they are. You know, we we all are on different levels of faith and just help them to understand, um, you know, that it's not about, well, there's something wrong with you or you didn't always do something wrong. You know, not to overlook where there may be, you know, some frailties and things like that. But I just for me, it's really bottom line is open and honest and don't judge like just show grace. God is a grace, a gracious and a merciful God. And we just have to do better about doing that um, toward other people. And and the other thing I would say, because I've seen it happen even to close, close uh, friends and family. Is where people, pastors. I'm not saying all pastors. This one particular pastor in the example that I'm thinking about used the word to make people feel guilty and to beat them up and to minute. Like there's a one situation where, you know, they took the one scripture. You know, God said it's better to to marry than to burn. This these two people should never have been married. Never have been married. But because of that one scripture that that pastor took and shared, they went out and got married and it has been nothing but pure hell since. And now they're at a place to where they are looking at getting a divorce. I think the conversation could have been, you know, if you don't want to, you know, burn or whatever, you two need to not be shacking up, get your own places and start doing things right that way. But just don't jump into marriage. So let's just be, you know, really do do a better job at um breaking down the word and pointing people back to God and allowing them to get the revelation um, from God.
0: I, th- I think it's so, it's, it's so key to, you know, remember not to compare ourselves like that um, with anything. But like, if, if you're going through some difficult times, anybody that might be listening to this, if, if you've gone through, you're going through some difficult times in your marriage and your relationship, like, I think what you're saying is, is so key, Katrina, like, uh, um, we all have Issues Like none of us have a perfect marriage. None of us have a perfect relationship. You know, none of us have perfect lives. You know, the people you see, you know, the, the leadership in your life and stuff like that. Um, thank God for them. But, uh, you know, we we so have the tendency to compare ourselves to like the Instagram highlight reel. And, you know, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll compare our worst moment to what someone is showing on social media, which is like their best moments typically. And, it, you know, we'll just do that. And then, like you said, you, there was something you said all the way at the beginning. You felt like at the beginning of the of the process when you were walking through healing, like um, there was a time where you felt like you were alone. And so many people feel like that. I think, Dr. Katrina, I think that we um, when we we sort of retreat into ourselves and we 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 hold we hold back because we don't want you know, we don't want people to know that we're hurting because we're looking at other people thinking that everybody's got it all put together and all of that. And um it's just, uh, I think remembering that like, we're all like sort of on our own journey with the Lord and comparing ourselves to other people, comparing our marriage to other marriages. I mean, again, there's, there's nothing wrong with know looking at somebody that's where you want to be and saying oh yeah like I, i really admire this about them like that's that's good there's there's healthy stuff there but but to compare yourself um and to come under shame because of that is such a scheme of the enemy um it's like his you know bread and butter of the enemy that he just you know uses over and over again to keep people in that place where they won't open up and they won't you know express and be honest with how they feel so that they can actually walk through that process of healing um, and, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about, and, and I know we're, we're in the last couple of minutes here. Um, so I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on, and you did talk about, um, you know, forgiveness already a little bit, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on how somebody who is hurt, somebody who's been wounded can begin to walk through that process of forgiveness. And I say process because I don't think that, it's always an immediate thing. But I do think that it's important for us to be willing um, to forgive, to be willing to walk in forgiveness. And so if you could just share um, in the last couple of minutes that we have here, just like your thoughts on how somebody who's been hurt, um, who's been offended, who's been betrayed, who's been cheated on or whatever, can just begin to walk through that healing process, uh, that, that process of, of forgiving the person who wronged them.
1: I think it starts at what you just said, Duke, is being willing. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, I felt like I was alone. But when a person, and I heard a bishop say this um, a, a few years back, well, been wow, quite a while uh, back now, but he was like, when a person walks into his office, and, you know, a lot of times he was like, people come in because they really want you to put a stamp of approval on what they've already decided before they get there. And he said, if I have a person that at least has hope, I have something to work with. And so I think the same is true for forgiveness. Number one, you have to be willing, be willing to grant the forgiveness. And what I like to tell people is when you make a decision that I'm going to forgive, make that decision knowing that the person that you are about to forgive, they have the propensity to hurt you again. And so you are likely going to have to forgive them again. And then I like to share with them, you know, the Bible says that we have to forgive 70 times seven. That's a lot of times. And that's just not in the lifespan. That's in the course of a day. (laughs) In a day. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, just know that when you say, you know what, I forgive you, know that they could hurt you again. That's number one. Number two, I like to help people understand exactly what you said. Is that forgiveness as a process? I think so many of us have been taught, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. And that's not true mm-hmm. forgiveness.
0: Yes. We want
1: to forget. Um, and the one thing I remember when I was walking through my journey, you know, I used to always hear my previous pastor, she would say, you know, God, scar me. And what she meant by that is, you know, when you get cut, it hurts and you can see it. But when it heals, there's the scar and the scar will always remember, remind you, you know, I have one on the back of my leg from uh, middle school. I was, we were skipping school and I fell at the beach and I got a scar on my leg. I always remember what happened, but there's no longer any yeah. pain attached to that scar.
0: Right. And so yeah. I
1: started praying that, you know, like God just scar me. You know, I know I'll have memories. I know I'll have this, I'll have that, but I just don't want to hurt. I was hurting so bad. I just don't want to hurt anymore. And one day God said to me, why do you even want the scar? Why do you even want the memory? He's like, you know, I can take away both. I can take away the memory and I can take away the pain. And so my Hmm. prayer shifted. And so I like to help people understand that just because you say I forgive today doesn't mean you're going to have an aha moment. It doesn't mean you're going to feel some kind of way. There's no feelings, you know, associated with it or attached to it. But you just you walk it out. And the other parts of, you know, forgiveness that I share is being aware of barriers, you know, being aware of your triggers. Like an example of a barrier is, you know, my mom, she had she never she would always say that, you know, I, I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. And it's like, why do you want to hold on to it? Why do you want to remember? I shared with you earlier what the trigger of what one of my triggers were. And so I think when we're aware of what our barriers and our triggers, and you know, barriers could be things that you've been taught by your parents, by your grandparents, you know, big mama, auntie, your cut, whoever you were raised by, whatever circles you're in. And I think when we understand that, okay, these things are hindering me. You know, from forgiving and I want to truly forgive. And when you understand that there's barriers, there's triggers, when you understand that forgiveness Mm -hmm. is a process, start at the level. The bottom level is number one, being willing and say, you know what? I forgive you. I might be still angry right now. I don't feel no differently, you know, but I forgive you. I want to forgive you. And so, and then the other part of that is I would say like there was, I had to ask God, like God placed forgiveness in my heart toward my husband. I was hurting so bad. I didn't even know what to do, <laughs> you know? And so it's like place forgiveness in my heart and God will do that. And we have to release the, you know, forgive. God says, if you forgive them, if you forgive others, I'll forgive you. He cares so much about forgiveness. He tells us, don't even bring me your offering. If you have aught with your brother, your sister, lay your offering down, go get it right, and then come back and give it to me. Mm. And so it's important to God, you know, that we walk in forgiveness. And I tell people, understand You know, it's not about you. It's not about the other person. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for you. Release that person from the prison of your heart. Let it go. And you'll be amazed at the peace that'll come, at the joy that'll come when you make a conscious choice. It is a choice. It's a decision. It's at its simplest form. It's a decision that you are choosing to make to forgive and to allow yourself to walk in Mm. freedom so that that's what i would share in terms of that and how you do it and and just just know that every day you know every day i'm 18 years in you know and i believe i am completely healed but Mm. i'm always you know being very conscious of you know triggers and things like that i'll share a quick example i know we have to go but one of my another one of my triggers were stuffed animals And the reason stuffed animals was a trigger is because one time my husband brought one in the house and I knew that I knew within me that thing came from somewhere. It had no business, but he was like, Oh no, I, you know, I really liked it. And I took it from, you know, one of his friends, his male friends. Uh, He he says like, I took it from him out of his truck. And I knew that was a lie, but I didn't have Mm. any proof. So I rode with it. And when everything Uh hit, that was the first thing I tossed because I knew from day one, that it came from another woman, but I just didn't have any proof that it did. And so stuffed animals was triggers for me for a long time. And of several months ago, it's probably been about six months or so ago, he brought us a stuffed unicorn to the house. And so, and I joked with him, I'm like, where this thing came from? And so he does uh, vending. And so one of the accounts he went to, the lady, she had like a whole boatload of them. They were giving them out to kids or something. And so she gave them like two or three. And so literally, because I made the comment, although I was just joking with him, he yeah. was, we live like 45 minutes away from this account. And he was like probably 10 minutes from the house when he called and told me. He sent me a picture of it to let me know that you know he had it or whatever. He literally turned back around, went to the place and had the lady call me. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, these people are probably like, what the heck's going on at your household? But it meant something to him. Before, <laughs> he wouldn't have did that. It would have turned into an argument and, oh, I'm this or I'm, you you know, you're crazy, dah, dah, dah. Yeah. No, it meant enough for him for me to be okay and know that those days are behind us, that he went back, the manager called me, told me everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. And so I did a live on it that day. But it's wow. just knowing that type of thing. Here we are 18 years later still have triggers, but I don't respond the same way. I didn't respond yes. in a negative way. I didn't get mad, I didn't get depressed, I didn't cuss him out, I didn't do any of that. It, we on. laughed about it, you know, and so it's it's all a process, you know, it's a process.
0: That's so good, that's so good. Um, one, one of the things that I read uh, from, from your bio at the very beginning of the episode was that one of the things that you're passionate about uh, helping women to reclaim their power, And I think that some people are under the impression that to forgive would mean to give up the power that they have over that person. But it's actually um, that's just a complete lie, Um, because like you said, forgiveness isn't even about the other person. It's about you. And for, you know, refusing to forgive somebody is like you're holding on to something. You're trying to hold something over that person's head. But really what it's doing is destroying you and so just being i I love what you said there just that willingness to sort of walk through that process of forgiveness and it's not um it's not about it's not losing your power it's actually you know a very important step in in as you said reclaiming your power walking in wholeness walking in freedom walking in victory and really experiencing the fullness of what christ um came to secure for us you know the God couldn't tell us to forgive and, and hold us responsible for, for forgiving people and then not give us the grace and the favor and the power and everything that we need in order to actually do it and to walk in it. And, um, you know, he demonstrated it so well, <laughs> it's an understatement, but he demonstrated it so perfectly for us and what he did for us and everything that he forgave us of. Um, and, uh, just willing to lay his life down it for us, for our forgiveness. And so, Uh, I love that. I I think, uh, Dr. Katrina, it'd be awesome if you could come back and we could just do an episode on triggers. Um, I love that conversation. I wish we had more time to sort of dig in deeper to some of that stuff because um, that's something that I think every single person, for sure, I don't even think, every single person could relate to that. We've all got things that trigger us and learning how to respond differently to those things that trigger us. Um, The way we respond to stuff um, is so huge so anyway it'd be cool if maybe uh, one of these days you can come back and we could uh, do a round two but maybe focus a little bit more on some of the stuff that we didn't have time to jump into but before we go if you would uh, just share with uh, our, the listeners how they can how they can find you and uh, where they could go to get access to uh, your books to your online courses um, and uh, maybe even for anybody that's listening that um, that needs, um, to walk through this healing process of what we're talking about and maybe would like to connect with you for some further resources in that area where could they go
1: absolutely and i would love to come back and talk about triggers and anything else you know that we can awesome. deal you know dig into it and help people but folks can find me um the, the best places to go to my website www.drkatrinaesaw.com there's a link there that will you know, show you how you can work with me one on one. There's a link on there to where you can get the book as well as the journal. There's also um, a link on there uh, that takes you to the whole academy's website um, that shows you all of the digital courses that are currently available um, and how you can go ahead and register for those. And actually, I'm going to be launching a new course, um, The Power of Personal Boundaries, which is going to launch uh, later this month. But the pre-sale mm. Uh, Pre-enrollment for that is actually happening now, which will go through uh, Monday. So they can go on there and find out more about that as well. But the best resource is definitely going to be my website. Um, The book is also available on Amazon, the book and the journal. Um, if you go through the website, you get you can get both for twenty five dollars, and then I also will autograph them. Um, if you get it through Amazon, they don't give you the ability to do that combo package, but it's definitely out there. It's also on Kindle, um, and they can also reach me on all uh, social media platforms with the exception of Twitter um, at Dr. Katrina Esau. So,
0: awesome. Awesome, very cool. Well, Dr. Katrina, thank you again so much for your time. Thanks for doing this with me. Really, really enjoyed our conversation and I think you added a tremendous amount of value. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it again, but but thanks so much.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: All right, everybody, thank you so much for taking the time to check out this episode. Really appreciate you guys as well. Hope you have an awesome day. Uh, if this episode blessed you, if it challenged you, if it encouraged you, added any kind of value to your life, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, that would really mean the world to me. So thank you guys again. See you next time.